Welcome back, everyone, to the Devil Wears Rosanero podcast, the official SB Nation podcast of the AC Milan offside. I'm Tim Fontenot, and joined by Patrick Stoll. We'll get to the wins for AC Milan over Brescia and Torino from the past week. We'll talk about the latest transfer news. But we have to start, of course, with the news that stunned the sports world this weekend, stunned the world in general this weekend, the unexpected sudden death of NBA legend Kobe Bryant, who, along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven other people, was killed in a helicopter crash in California on Sunday. Um, I mean, there's only so much we can say that hasn't been said already. I've, everyone has just, everyone's been dealing with this in their own way. I mean, you know, for some people, he was just that basketball superstar. For others, he was so much more. And just thinking about it, we're talking about it here because, you know, sometimes when we're talking about athletes or we're thinking about why we love certain things about sports, you know, we like to feel sometimes like we have some of these connections to these athletes. So for us here, like one of the reasons I love Kobe Bryant, and I can feel like I can say the same about so many people who are part of our group at the AC Milan offside, is we have this connection of being huge AC Milan fans the way he was. Um, Kobe spent a lot of his formative years in Italy and grew up in a C Milan fan. It's something he talked about a lot as he was near the end of his career as a NBA star. He made visits to Milan. He was he was pictured in jerseys. He was always he spoke in Italian about how much he loved the club. And so that was when it we when it first became clear to me that that was something about him. You know, I never really had any affection or he wasn't like he wasn't someone I was just a, a in adoration of I just admired his skill on the on the basketball court I thought he was an unbelievable athlete but that made me feel this connection to him and just like made me such a huge fan of him just because the way I root for Novak Djokovic as a tennis player and so it was just really, I just wanted to say how awesome it was to see the way AC Milan treated Kobe as family in the last few days and just like acknowledge his part in our little community and the way they honored him before the Copa Italia match against, um, against Torino. And, you know, the reports were coming out of Italy. We don't need to get too far into that about how apparently the league was going to try to block that and the club was going to do it anyway. You know, it doesn't matter what was going to happen. What did happen was just so wonderful and just such a great tribute to someone who touched so many lives across sports and just in general and the things that he's done in his post-basketball career, the way he, the way he just tried to make so many lives better and especially, of course, his family. And that's another... As his daughter Gianna, who was with him, um, had this dream of playing for the UConn women's basketball team. And that's another reason why I was such a huge fan of Kobe Bryant, was the way he fueled that and 
you know, I got to see a lot of that as a as a UConn fan as well. Um, we all here in Connecticut, we saw how much how active Kobe was in fueling that dream of his daughter being able to play on such an incredible basketball team and to play to carve out her own path and he was letting her do that it wasn't you know it wasn't her just being the daughter of Kobe Bryant it was she was an incredible athlete in her own right and he was just a proud father watching her shine so I know I'm rambling a bit here and I know I'm getting a little off track but I just wanted to get a few thoughts out about how the last few days have really led to a lot of reflection about what a what an amazing life, what an amazing career. And Patrick, I don't know about you, but this just I mean, I'm I'm still clearly finding it very hard to find the right words. I can't even imagine for you know the people who really got to know him like the, you know, we only know athletes I feel like sometimes in like the abstract and it's just for everyone I feel like it's just been so hard there as you said there's not a lot that we can really say that hasn't been said in some form or another by people of the sports world people of the NBA world people that knew him people that knew his daughter Uh, college pro American um, European as we saw especially today and uh, on Monday as well there were so many different tributes poured out for this guy and clearly for good reason Uh, he was larger than life he touched far more lives than I think I I think this happens a lot with celebrities, right? People don't really realize how many lives they touch until they are gone. And you might not have realized how massive, like we all know how massive Kobe is. And guys like, sorry, guys like you and I, like our formative years were when Kobe was rising to the height of his NBA power. And we were just, you know, we were kids sitting there watching SportsCenter every day just jaws dropped at just the sheer dominance and the unbelievable talent oh for sure and he he's one of those figures that you know is that big but sometimes this happens where you don't really know how big big is until something like this happens and they're gone and you know, everyone from people that knew him, um, his family, you know, Lakers fans, people who live in L.A., even if they aren't Lakers fans or aren't sports fans, Americans, people who, you know, my, my wife is not a big sports person. She knows who Kobe is. She was absolutely stunned when I said, did you hear that Kobe died? And I think... You know, there are a lot. There are a lot of things to say. There are a lot of things that could be said about Kobe, and a lot of people have done it already. But the fact that he had such a wide, you know, it goes beyond just Lakers fans. And you know, 
for them, it hits home in a different way because for a lot of these people, like he's their guy, he's their idol, right? And he, I was talking about this with one of my friends. He is one of those guys that seems, seemed untouchable, right? And then something happens and no one really, it, it feels like a glitch in the matrix is what you and I were discussing uh, when we were talking about what we were going to do for the podcast. And it legitimately felt, you know, when you see the reports start coming out, you don't want to think it's true, even though, you know, we don't, we don't know him. You don't want it to be true. And then as it starts coming in, because also the first report was not exactly from someone who we would consider reliable or credible or likable which is why i sorry i was you know you know i work in a sports newsroom and i there i was one of only three people apparently who had seen the initial reports and i turned to ask those guys if they were like i was like is this serious and everyone else in the room was like what are you guys talking about and i was the one who ended up sharing with them that this was what was happening and there's a kid who sits near me who is a huge Lakers fan. And I'm, you know, it's one of those, we, I feel like I've never experienced an individual celebrity's death the way I have this one. And I feel like this one has impacted me and, and like so many people in a way I've never seen before or a way that I'm too young to remember. For as long as I'm here, I will never forget watching this poor kid in and out of the newsroom the rest of the day, just not even hiding it, just crying. And he was the Lakers fan, but everyone else, you know, we all grew up on, like, he helped fuel so many people's love of sports. And that was, like, just the way everyone was reacting was... You just heard you heard sniffles and you heard you heard silence the rest of the day. And it was unbelievable. It was a lot to take in just because of like that that's Kobe, right? It's like it's just that big. And not only and you know, I was talking about this with another friend of mine. It would be different if it was like he was sick or he passed away overnight and you know now these are hypotheticals right and i don't i don't love doing the hypothetical thing but when you start think of it thinking of it like the manner right because that is such a freak accident no one could have thought this was going to happen you know one night he was at a lakers game and he greeted lebron on the court and the next day we're talking about his legacy for a reason that we don't want to be talking about his legacy for. Um, and when it said, you know, Kobe has passed away, that was shocking enough. And then the reports started coming out and being confirmed that Gianna was also on the helicopter. And that's when it really kind of hit for me. Um, because up until then, I was kind of in like a, shock right well 
not fully shock, but I, I was very, very surprised. And it was similar to like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean that happened to Kobe? Like, what do you mean he's not here anymore? Right. But then when it was, you know, Gianna's also with him, I was like, oh, well, now we're talking like that for me brought it to a whole new plane of existence. Right. That brought it to a whole new level for me, because that's when you start getting into like fathers and children and parents and you know it's it's not just these kids don't have a father anymore it's you know they were on their way to a travel basketball game and is in in a helicopter and things that shouldn't have happened happened and here we are and just the outpouring of support is good to see for someone who clearly impacted so many lives and the other thing you know one one thing that i thought of was when michael jackson passed away i was too young to really realize what that meant right like i i remember now i remember where i was when i heard that Michael Jackson had passed away. But this must be what our parents felt like when Michael Jackson passed away. That's the only thing I can think of. The only celebrity death that has um, really kind of impacted me more of a, like, you know, a shock, a surprise a taken aback you know obviously when a celebrity dies it's kind of like, oh my god but when it was kobe it was different and for me when uh the only one that even comes close and it doesn't come that close just because of magnitude was avici oh yeah um yeah. because i'm a big listener of his music and yeah, all too. this stuff and that was um him taking his own life um so that was the only one that really came close for me, but that that's on a different level than this, where, again, the word that I thought really fit was Kobe was this guy who felt untouchable. You know, and, and you know, LeBron is in that category. Um, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are in that category. Um, and I, it's one of those things where, yeah, it happens to every, it happens to everybody, right? No, it hasn't not happened to somebody, but it doesn't change the fact that when this happens, it's a big, it's a big deal. And the other thing I saw, and this, you know, last, last point for me was this thing, events like this can have more of an impact on people than you might think, right? It's not just, you know, yeah, we didn't know him, but people who have lost somebody can sometimes, when things like this happen, have memories 
of that event or person, I don't want to say triggered, but, you know, brought back because of the magnitude of this loss. And for the world, Kobe is a big loss. But for someone else, someone else might have been their big loss. So this does more than just Kobe and Gianna are gone. It's also things like not only people who looked up to Kobe and not only people who watched him and know who he is and were inspired by him, the whole thing. It was also people who might be affected by that scale of a person leaving and the manner and the fleetingness of what we have here, right? And I know, you know, people might not tune into the podcast to get that deep into things, I know, but like the the fact, the nature of us being here is something that is so quick and so not fully understood and we don't always remember that tomorrow isn't necessarily a given thing here. And it, not necessarily a given thing here. It's not. Like, waking up the next day is a blessing for each and every one of us. Because somewhere out there, either someone didn't or someone woke up and someone else wasn't there. Or someone has heard that news or... You know, people are starving and people are sick and people are ill and all the stuff, right? Which is super dark, but that's the nature, unfortunately, of the world we live in, where it's really, really quick and you kind of have to... We we don't have control of a lot of things in this world. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, it's it's been that kind of a couple days where it's just like, huh. We can't control a lot of the clearly. We cannot control a lot of things in this world. But one of the things that we can control is our relationship with one another. And I think, and our you know our our own direction and purpose and you know, being intentional with your time and your actions and your emotions, right? And I think that's something, you know, you you don't have to be affected by Kobe Bryant's death in a massive way. Some people are because they looked up to him. Some people are because this reminds them of someone, right? Or, you know, some people have trauma that it might, remind them of I I don't know but for me it was just one of those moments where it kind of a reminder of what what we really have here and just ways we can again just be more intentional more active more focused and like open with our relationships and lives with one another because we don't have that much time here so uh, that that's really what I wanted to say about it. Um, I know I know that was far more profound than a lot of people were probably 
um, uh, bargaining for, but it's something, I think it's just very, I think that if anything, if there, if there's any takeaway beyond Kobe is gone, I think that is because he's not, unfortunately, he is not the only one. Um, the fact, and I just want to read these real, real quick. Um, the names of the the nine victims: um, John Altabelli, Sarah Chester, Ara Zabayan, uh Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, uh, Carrie Altabelli, Alyssa Altabelli. Uh, Peyton Chester and Christina Mouser. Uh, those are the names of the people who passed away. So um, beyond everything I just said, um, really, you know, heartfelt condolences to them, uh, or excuse me, their families, their friends, loved ones, anyone who knew them, looked up to them. Uh, love them, etc. This is, I mean, it is such a shocking event that you, there's really, I mean, there's nothing else to, there's nothing else to say except this is, it, it shook more than the sporting world. And I think for a good reason. So many families and just so many people. And if I could just really, to wrap up, you were just, you you said it all right there. Um, just thinking about you know the way he the way Kobe tried to you know be better than he was the day before every single day. And you know we always hear like Lee leave the world better than he left it. And I think about all the people who have talked about him in the last few days and you know stuff that we've heard and the last few years even his post-basketball career like you know again circling back to the things I know because that's how I relate to him like Katie Lou Samuelson of uh, a former UConn basketball star I mean the guy was so accessible to so many young kids with a dream in this sport he sat with her and broke down game film after one of her college seasons after UConn didn't win a national title and he took the time to sit with this girl who probably grew up watching him and dreaming of being like him. And, you know, he did the same thing with Oregon's Sabrina Inescu and with so many young young guys in the NBA. And, you know, I just think about all those guys and I think about all the stuff that Trey Young has said in the last few days about how Gianna, he was her favorite NBA player and... So Kobe would bring Gianna to watch him play and so we could learn from her. And so and it, you know, it was something that inspired Trey Young and, you know, all the and even outside of outside of basketball. Look, I mean, we've seen how much he's impacted the soccer community and all the, you know, the he's been such a if not helping helping other athletes, he's just been a fan of theirs and really just trying to like just be there for other athletes and knowing that you know 
in a way like heavy lies the crown you know he was the center of attention for so long and he knows how hard you know how burdensome that can be and you know i know we can say you know poor big superstar athlete but he was there for other other athletes and other people when they needed it and just to really quickly wrap up just circling back to why we were talking about this is you know we specifically on this are talking about it because he is he was an ac milan fan and for us you know i feel sometimes as as fans and just as people we want to have these we want to feel these connections to people who may seem larger than life to us and just people we may never know we may never meet they're just so massive in the public space that we just want to feel closer to them and i feel like for uh, for you know for me as a fan of a team to see this person this you know massive icon also emotional and passionate about this same thing was something that made me feel closer and it was something that just you know it wasn't necessarily something there but it was just nice to feel like that and to know like you know they were into a game as passionately as I was and I don't, it, it may sound weird but that's just you know I feel like we get that a lot and um yeah it's just it was nice to see today, we're recording this on Tuesday, and it was nice to see the fight that Milan put in against Torino when they were down. You know, we can say, we'll, we'll talk about the game, but it was just nice to see the fight that they put in because it felt like at the end there with the stoppage time goal and then the way they really stepped on their necks in extra time, it just felt like there was a little bit of Mamba mentality there. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, the Mamba mentality was there. I thought that was just I thought that was a great way to win that match. Yeah. I mean, you you knew and just the last thing on Kobe is whenever things like this happen, I don't know how to explain it, but like the best way to say it is just weird things start happening in the sense of Trey Young's stat line on the 26th, so when when everything happened, he had 24 shots, 45 points. He also had, uh, this is 14 assists, a steal, and 6 rebounds. So, 24 shots, 45 points. And he wore the number eight jersey that night, didn't he? And he wore the number eight, yep. So uh, that happened, and then the other thing was Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald um, had a similar thing happen. Same, Same situation. I'm not sure if he wore 24. I'm not sure if he wore, like, one of Kobe's numbers. 42 points, 24 shots, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. 24 shots, and his other stats added up to 8. So, whenever, point being, right, those are the two that I saw where it's just like these weird coincidences start happening 
whenever something like this happens, right? This always happens. This always. Always. And the Trey Young thing, he... I think it was like he was the first player to ha- to score 40 plus points and have a double double against the Wizards while taking it was like this long-winded stat with like I think it ended with fewer than 25 shots and the last player to do it with that sort of stat line was Kobe was Kobe. Yep. Just to close it out, you know, obviously um Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli Carrie Altabelli, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, and Ara Zabayan. Um, rest in peace and uh, condolences to their families, their friends, loved ones, everybody. Um, we wish everyone uh, nothing but the best and healing and positive vibes, whatever way you want to say it, uh, everything to them as they go through uh, what must be the the most difficult time that anyone could possibly have you know you and i talk about how it's like stunning and shocking and it's really like scary and it's kind of a wake up and all that stuff well you know we we didn't even know them right we were milanisti like him and we're sports fans like her and everything like that but we nothing compares to what these people are going through right now so um all condolences to them so um on that note you want to get to some ac milan talk yeah let's talk some ac milan all right let's get to it play the music all right here we go Right back to the AC Milan talk on SBN Rossonero's uh, AC Milan offside. The devil wears Rossonero. Uh, Patrick Soul alongside Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot. It's where you can get a hold of us and at SBN Rossonero. On the heels of the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, AC Milan paid a, you can only say, classy tribute to him before the game against Torino. That match was played today. Uh, We're recording on Tuesday. And um, of course, as we mentioned, the Mamba mentality happened. All right, I'm I'm not afraid to say the Mamba mentality happened because in the 90th minute, Milan looked like they were, again, this is one of those, as you and I were joking about this, a despite our best attempts game where (laughs) Milan tried their level best to lose this game. It was an example of how not to defend, how not to keep the ball, how not to keep your composure. They went up thanks to Bonaventura, then they conceded, then they conceded again, and then who steps up? Everyone's fan favorite, Hakan Chalanoglu, equalizes after the 90th minute. And then it's game on. We go to extra time. More on that in a second. Not a big fan of us having to go to extra time in a cup game. But I digress. Then Chalinoglu, of all people, of all people, gets the second of his, which is Milan's third. And then Zlatan gets his San Siro goal. That's four. Four Four-two is the final. Um, Again, 
despite AC Milan's level best attempts to not win this game. They won this game and they are into the semifinals of the Coppa Italia, which Tim and I have both mentioned we think they should try and win this season. And we got Juventus. <laughs> so not entirely sure we're going to end up doing it. But we made it here. That's good, I think. Um, it's another game for us to get to, you know, get our act together, keep the ball rolling. The Zlatan effect is real. The Mamba mentality happened. It was just a matter of when. We didn't know when it was going to happen. I was, I uh, found myself saying at about the 85th minute, like, oh my God, they honored Kobe before the game and they couldn't even win for him. Like, this sucks. And then they won for him. So here we are. Uh, the Zlatan effect is real. The Mamba mentality showed up. The Ante Rebic factor is a thing. The Ante Rebic factor is huge because Ante Rebic is a good place to start with this, mainly because of the Brescia game, which, for the record, that game stunk. <laughs> the The Brescia game... I, you know, it was a it's a win, which, as I say, we take those. But that that game, that game was no bueno. I did, no one liked that game. Brescia didn't like that game. Milan didn't like that game. The poor people having to watch that game didn't like that game. And then Ante Rebic scored, put us up, and then that broke get open. As most as as well as Brescia can break something open, they tried, and Milan clawed it out. And Ante Rebic, since the formation change that you mentioned last week, Tim, has been an absolute animal. This dude is a beast. He is an instant starter now, and he is like a new signing. And I love what I see. And you know what? It's you know I was talking about him playing in a. Uh playing next to someone in that 442 up top and that I I want to believe that I mentioned that uh you know he can also drop back behind them and look what happened in extra time look what happened when you put on Zlatan and Rafael Leao who should be your two starters up there and you were able to play Rebic in behind them look what happens and that team just they looked like a completely different team in the latter stages of the second half and in extra time and of course they did because you put in, you put in your key players and you know with Zlatan and Leao, throw Kessier in there, and I guess today you can say Chalanolu, but I mean Rebic is he's taking guys on. He's not afraid to go one on one. He's finding the sliver of space with his crosses the way he did on the Bonaventura goal at the beginning of the match. And this is all again, this is all the stuff that we were talking about when we got him on loan from Eintracht and it was not even two and a half, three weeks ago that we were hearing the reports that he wanted to go back to Eintracht. He wanted to, he wanted to end this loan. He wanted to try to cut it somewhere else and look what's happened since then. He's become one of the first names on the team sheet. He has become, hopefully at some point, one of the first names on the team sheet, but he is becoming a key factor in this team this team that is now, you know, I don't want I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. 
eight points off fourth. Level on points for a European spot at the moment. I'll take a Europa League spot next year. I'm fine with it. He's a huge part of that. And it has, it's been a revelation. And if I can't really quick before I throw back to you, I just want we will talk about the rest of this game. I want to point out that when you were saying that they did not want to win this match today, I just kept thinking about the end of last season. And we it was like we were playing the game show in Serie A called Who Doesn't Want to Finish Fourth? <laughs> or Who Wants to Finish Fourth the Least? And congratulations to Inter on winning that competition. But I it felt like Copa Italia version of that today. Like they just didn't want to go play Juventus. And hey, you know what? Juventus is... Uh, you know, getting very close to last chance saloon for the Champions League. So let let let's consider the possibility that they may be a little distracted by Europe, by what is very much a title race in Italy for the first time long time, that got a new level of intrigue today with the arrival of Christian Eriksen right in time for the Milan Derby. And <laughs> So maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll be a little distracted. Maybe they'll be focusing on other things. They're still probably the deepest team in Europe. But maybe our best can beat their second best over two legs. I'll take the optimism. Yeah, uh, we are a positivity podcast. Yeah, that was positive, right? That was that yeah, was on brand. Positive. We'll take those. Um, I think so. I'm looking at Juve's schedule now. Their next game is Fiorentina, followed by Verona, followed by us in the first leg, then Brescia, then Spall, then Lyon. So we are right in the middle of just three games that you absolutely know Juve are going to win. So the fact that they let me let me check something here. This is not going to be good, by the way. No, I see where you're going with this. Brescia 20th, Spall 18, Verona 9. They could rest their starters. They could play their starters against us, rest them against Brescia, and then rest them again against Spall, and then have them ready for Olympic Lyonnais in the Champions League. But then they have Inter right after that. Ooh. And then they have the second leg against us. So I think the first leg, we are well and truly hosed. The second leg, now we're talking. Although then they followed up with Bologna and Lecce. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't know. You mentioned one thing, mentioned a couple of things I want to touch on real quick. First of all, the title race the the well and truly title race in Italy. Um I I'd like to pose this question. Uh who's the one team league now? Yeah. Yeah. I, this I I'm so sick because I've heard it before. I've heard it so many times and I've even heard it recently. It's like, "Oh, well, Juve are just going to win the league." Nope. No, they're not. Inter well, okay. So I think Inter are going to win the league, unfortunately. 
uh, no, God, please, no. No, but, God, please, no. I mean, the other option is Juventus, which is th- the same. I mean, th- I find myself rooting yeah. for Juventus. No. I I know no! we had we had a conversation on the Serie A preview pod that I really enjoyed, where we were talking about whether we thought that it was a year away, and I think we all started to convince ourselves, like we were originally saying a year away, but then I mean, here's here's the maybe? thing. So I've heard I've heard this this season. Well, you and I are just going to go win it. That's not a guarantee. Liverpool, and I say Liverpool because all of the people who say this are British. All of the people who do this are English EPL, like they're Premier League snobs. Yeah, EPL, like EPL number one, right? And I get it. I get. The EPL, like, this is not an EPL knock, right? This is, Liverpool have had that League One since November. Yep. And it has been a title race. At least someone else has had first place in Italy this season. Somebody has. Juve and Inter go back and forth every other week. That Derby is, that Derby d'Italia is going to be absolutely enormous like that's it that that's in my mind unless it unless it's a draw right yeah but that's it this napoli win over juventus is big because there's actually another team in there challenging now and that team by the way just signed christian erickson for 20 million euros i think it's a bargain yeah some people seem to think for some reason like the fact that Christian Eriksen refused to try for the last six months because he <laughs> wanted out of Tottenham for some reason has convinced people that he is not good. Yeah. He's good. He's good. Because when he's on, he's really, he's really good. He's also in his prime. Yeah. And he's in his prime. And it's twenty million, and I know the whole like, oh, you could have gotten him for free. It's twenty million. Enter in the Champions League, not the knockout stages, but they are in the Champions League, and they can afford the twenty to try and make the title push now. Like that, that this is one of the reasons that I think he is going that they are going to win is adding someone like him. That's a huge reinforcement. And so I'm. that's why I'm kind of leaning towards Inter. Uh, I think Conte has kind of all the ducks in a row. And I think Sarri still has a couple, not question marks, but it doesn't feel aligned for you. This is super like, super like non-concrete, right? But, like, it doesn't seem fully aligned for Juve. It seems aligned for Inter. Maybe that's just me. No, they've Juve have really labored this year. And I think Eriksen is the missing piece in, you know, he gives some of them that real midfield. I don't – the word that's coming to mind is pizzazz for some reason. Mm, yeah. But – um you know, you made the point that it's only twenty million, and they could have gotten him for free in the summer. But what's twenty million if you're if you're on the verge of winning your first Scudetto in a decade? 
of ending an eight-year run by Juventus. Of <laughs> they were in the they were Inter were where we are now, not that long ago, and it was really funny. I'm not gonna lie, it was really funny. I can't get mad when people. When Inter fans are like, "Oh, look at Milan!" I'm like, "You guys have been there, but yeah, now you're now you're out of it." It gives me a little hope, honestly. But they—I hate to say that they deserve it, but they've worked really hard. It's taken a while. It's been a build to get to the point where you could bring in Conte and you can bring in these these players who can make them title contenders. But they've done it. And they've hung with Juventus. You know, the last few years, it hasn't felt like Juve has just been this dominant force. Like, they've had times in the league where they have struggled. But they've still just won on their sheer talent. And they've just they've just won because they were better than everyone else. They can't do that anymore. And so they're getting exposed. And it's, you know, they're still... They're still at 51 points. It's fantastic. But there's Inter. And a, a team we're not even talking about. And gotta give, at least like mention them at least once here. So Lazio, not far behind either. Very fun team to watch. Um, this thing is well and truly on. And like you said, it's funny to hear the Premier League, to hear people say that... Uh, you know, Premier League snobs talking about other leagues not being as fun. Well, that one's wrapped up. It was wrapped up a while ago last season for City. It was wrapped up for City the year before. Italy, Germany, Spain. We've got some really fun title races going on right now. Like it's and and don't get me wrong. I wanna. I I know I'm. I sounded pretty bitter. Like it's kind of it's it's cool to see Liverpool. Finally, they deserve it. Like, do what they're doing, right? Yeah. What they're doing is nothing short of incredible. the The fact that they are unbeaten in the league right now, as of recording, of course, um, and probably the best team in Europe, and just firing on all cylinders. Uh, despite having three people that three seasons ago no one would have said, oh yeah, he's a starter in the midfield in the Premier League. Um, that the, like that is like the enigma of Liverpool is that midfield is perfect, and no one knows how. <laughs> um, and the defense is just rock solid. The goalkeeper is the best in the world. The front three best in the world. It's just incredible. So, like, good for them, and it's an amazing thing to see. It's amazing to watch. Um, but, I mean, that league has been over, again, since November. The rest of Europe has a title, well, except for France. but It's closer than usual in France, so there's that. <laughs> it is. But at least, like, you know, you're right. Germany, we're seeing if Leipzig might be able to now – People hate Leipzig, and I know, but it's something different, and same here, and, you know, England has that going for them, and Spain, um, for the first three months, no one wanted to win the title, 
So it, it's 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 fascinating. But so let back to ACML. You know what? So here here's what we're gonna do, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface it this way because uh, I'm I'm trying to train ourselves and our listeners about the whole ads thing. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back on the other side of the commercial break. And when we're back, we're gonna get back to AC Milan. We're gonna talk Ante Rebic, how good he is, how good he can be. And we'll tell you who is most likely pretty much sealed, not official, but pretty much out the door. And our favorite memory of the latest AC Milan departure. Don't go anywhere. This is the Devil Wears Rossonero. And we're back. Welcome back to the Devil Wears Rossonero. Patrick Soul alongside Tim Fontenot, Stoll underscore P, uh, Tim underscore Fontenot on Twitter and at SBN Rossonero. So getting back to AC Milan, just to close the book on just how good Ante Rebic is, um, he, you and I were talking about this. He has already had more good games than Andre Silva in an AC Milan shirt. The pace that he brings and just the sheer like lack of caring that he shows when he goes into the box and just creates absolute havoc. Seemingly, I mean... Every time he goes in, he also has that absolute bully mentality once he gets into the body. Like, he is not afraid to just run someone over, probably throw an elbow. Like, he's going to get red carded pretty soon. I just hope it doesn't happen in the derby. He almost did today. Oh, he sh- he probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just move right past that because, honestly, uh, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, we've been screwed a lot. Um, but I think... He, he's he's like a new signing, um, and frankly, so has Castillejo. And frankly, in this game, I, I say this game specifically, so was Chalonoglu. Now we saw the best and the worst of Chalonoglu. The best is do not play him on the left; play him in the middle. That's where he works well. So we finally found the place that Hakan Chalonoglu plays well. Just took a while. <laughs> Yeah, it took a while. The de- and we saw like an OG Chalonoglu Bundesliga-esque goal today. The downside is we still saw moments where it was like, what are you what are you doing? Like what and there are reasons like you and I were talking specifically about um it seemed like Ibrahimovic and Casiejo both kind of didn't really know if the ball was theirs or not so they both kind of left it and Chalonoglu then went and could have just belted it but he scuffed it and so but I mean he he had a good game primarily aided by Zlatan Ibrahimovic it's happened again Ibra has opened it up for all the following players have directly benefited from Ibrahimovic. Chalonoglu, Rebic, Castillejo, Liao. Directly. 
you're spot on with what you're saying. Can we just really quickly talk about Raphael Leao and how much he is just head over heels in love with Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Ibrahimovic. This is just oh, this is just the sweetest thing. If you haven't, if you don't follow, if you don't follow Raphael Leao on Instagram, number one, you should. He's a sweet young boy. Um, number two, he loves Zlatan so much. And it's really just one of my favorite parts of the last month is the way Leao looks at Ibrahimovic, the way he's just, you know, and uh, this is another guy who is just such an unbelievable presence when he's on a field. <laughs> Think about how young Leao is, and he's grown up watching Zlatan. And he put up a photo. Um, I saw this photo on Getty Images when I was looking for pictures for my highlight. And it's Zlatan with a after he scored his goal getting a hug from Kessier and Leao is just standing next to them and just looking at Zlatan and it's you know it's one of those ones like get you someone who looks at so and so the way so and so looks <laughs> like and it says I used to play with him on my PlayStation and today I gave him an assist never stop dreaming and <laughs> I just I just love it so much. And then he I'm going through the rest of his story and he's he's posting stuff on his story that other people posted. Uh it's like a cartoon of Ibrahimovic and Leao where he's clearly the little sidekick and he's just like so happy to be the sidekick for him. Uh, I mean seriously, go check out Raphael Leao on Instagram. It's just the sweetest thing. Uh, you can tell the Zlatan effect is real. Oh, for sure. He he definitely, like, Liao, we saw the flashes from him earlier this season where we were like, you know, this kid, whatever it is, this kid has some form of it, right? It, it, it's there. Oh, yeah. When he put Godin in a body bag during the Derby. That's true. And Liao was... Liao was probably one of the most frustrating things about the first six months of the season because we're like, I mean, it's there. He, excuse me, four months. He, it's there. How, how are we going to waste this guy too? Um, between us not playing the same formation and no one playing well and there's no help in the midfield and our strikers don't move and our defense has one guy and no one is healthy and everyone's injured <laughs> and the healthy people suck and now they're back and now we're not running and now we have a different coach and we're learning another formation the whole thing right it was like oh my god we're going to waste like legitimately the sporting lisbon uh, I believe uh, sporting director or manager or owner. I, I apologize. I don't remember his exact title. But when Liao moved to AC Milan, the guy was like, he's the best kid I've seen here since Cristiano Ronaldo. And I was like, somehow, some way, you know, and this is like mid-November when we're just full suck, right? Just full disaster like lost season mode right in mid-november of course uh again liverpool won the league in november and we're <laughs> like what are we gonna do next season hopefully we have a manager in a club and 
aren't in debt. Um, I was like, somehow we're going to burn this kid out and we're going to end up loaning him to... He was going to be Spall's loan replacement. Aston Villa. Yeah, or yeah, he'll go to like Spall or Aston Villa or like Norwich or some nonsense or Paderborn or some crap like that, right? But now, first of all, Pioli has clearly trusted the kid and said, all right, Piontek can't hit the broadside of a barn, so it's up to you now. And then he put him alongside Zlatan, and Zlatan has clearly taken him under his wing, which things you love to see happen. This is one of the positives of, this is what you are getting when you pay for Zlatan. This is exactly what we said, why not Zlatan? This is directly because he's getting to learn from Zlatan, and he's clearly making the most of every single second. And I, I love this. And what Zlatan does and what he opens up for him and what he opens up for Rebic, who is actually playing in his proper position now, and Castillejo, once called useless on this podcast, I might add, is looking decent. Like, he's, again, players are starting to look like the players who we expected them to be and who we thought we were signing when we signed them, if that sentence makes any sense at all. Like, Rebic is the guy we thought that you and I talked about on this podcast. We were excited about this Rebic, not October Rebic, who was like a walking red card. I mean, we've seen in the last last few seasons just guys get played out of positions or managers can't figure out what to do with them. You know, and all again, anytime it comes up, old managers, all respect to Gattuso. He was put in a situation where he was just trying to save a sinking ship and he right, he righted it. He did what he had to do. And the players all knew that, but you bring in a guy like Champalo guy who's supposed to be the one you, does all these amazing things with the club. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. He he was just pigeonholing guys in and we're seeing you know for whatever whatever happens at the end of the season with Stefano Pioli. And we had you know we had a response um a response from someone um one of our followers actually a guy who uh I uh, who writes at the same college paper that I used to. Um, he he's a Milan fan as well. He said, "I don't know if Pioli is the answer, but that was fun." And I think that's what we're seeing in the last few weeks. Is we know Pioli isn't the guy that we want shaping the identity of the club, and that's why when we talk about the last few weeks, we haven't talked much about Pioli. We're not talking about his philosophies and his systems. We're just, he's just doing the things that he needs to do to right the ship, to get the best out of these players. And so it kind of feels like Gattuso in that way, but a more intelligent way of doing it. And, you know, if he's not the manager come the end of the season, he's setting things up for whoever takes over and just, it can't be another top-to-bottom rebuild. You have a core of players here. 
and we're now starting to see a supporting cast coming together and Castileo and you know you can throw Chalinolu in there I know we used to talk about when is he going to be gone but you know, maybe he's proving that he belongs there. And Rebic, I don't know if I mentioned before how fun it was when Rebic played behind Leal. I don't know if that's something that you do. If you're going to be playing a 4-4-2, it probably doesn't make sense to have Rebic in behind him and Ibrahimovic. And it's very, very handy to have a guy like him to come on in the second half. But there are guys who are making the most of their roles now. And being put in positions to succeed and it's it's refreshing at least yeah it's nice to see a team who has an idea of what they're doing because for a solid month and a half they literally had no idea and there were a lot of fact again a lot of factors of people who you know hurt and then they come back and then you're trying to basically reset everything and then they're not performing, so you change again, and you're changing format. Like, no one settled in. I, again, and I've said this before, I have no idea what we do during the preseason. I Because it's it's like the first four months of every single season is our preseason. And we're just, like, getting all the wrinkles out, and then we have the uphill battle in the spring. And um, before we get to our last topic of the day, I do want to point out one tweet that I saw uh, and I think this is worth mentioning uh, we've basically already said it but um, now this I'm, I'm going to credit the handle and we can all laugh about it together it's from <laughs> I'm such a child I can't even spit this out uh, family show um, at Long Dong Lee um, <laughs> who is a, clearly a member of Milan Twitter. And I just cannot believe that I have never seen this handle before. But credit to you, sir. Um, says, can we talk about Maldini's signings so far? Castillejo, Teo, Leao, Benacer, Rebic, Ibra, Kajer, and Krunic. So, and... Just looking at today's game, right? Cassiejo, good. Teo, good. Liao, good. Benacer, yep. Rebic, yep. Ibra, yep. Kajer, yep. Krunic, yep. Like, these are all guys who, at the very least, played a part today. But, like, Cassiejo shaping up now under Pioli. Teo, possibly less best left back in the league if I can talk for a living. Liao finally turning into what we thought he was and learning from Ibrahimovic and like I don't want to I don't want to jinx him, right? But I'm going to go ahead and say it. I feel like what we thought Piontek was going to be, Liao might actually be like long term. I'm not saying he's going to break the nine curse. But he might be the guy that we've been searching for for a while since like Ibrahimovic and Pato left I mean Pato was a guy who could Ibrahimovic was always just the unbelievable finisher Pato was really when he wasn't injured he was really good at taking guys on and you know 
you you need someone you need a finisher who's not Ibrahimovic because he's yeah, exactly. 38 years old but you've got the other part yeah i mean he he could be that guy um but piontek is slowly and by slowly i mean very quickly showing that he is not that guy uh which is really unfortunate because we were really excited but he here we are uh benacer I mean, we talked about him last week. Beast, uh, big fan. Rebic keeps showing up every single week ever since the new year. Ibra, obviously we've talked a lot about him. Kajer, uh, also known as the end product of Caldara. Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, we went and we got Benucci. And then... We gave Benucci back for Caldara and Higuain, and then we got rid of Higuain, who went to Chelsea and then went back to Juve. And I don't... Is he still at Juve? Yeah, he is, right? He's just hanging out? Okay. Yeah, he's he's playing a pretty decent role this year. Okay. Okay. So we have... So we get Benucci. He has a horror show. We send him back to Juventus, and in exchange, we get uh, Higuain and an injured Caldara. Um, Higuain plays six months, leaves for Chelsea, does literally nothing there, goes back to Juventus, and now he he's just there. Caldara, meanwhile, injured the entire time, and then we send him to Atalanta, where he then takes a picture or. I guess we don't send him there. Juventus sends him there. I don't know. Two in the weeds. Anyway, he goes to Atalanta, and in his announcement picture, at one point he's, like, holding the Champions League badge on the freaking sleeve of his shirt, you know, as if he helped us at all. Um, And basically from the money that we get out of that, we then flip that for Kajer. Kajer. And, yeah, so he's the end product of Benucci. Um, and Caldara. And Higuain. Etc. He is, like, the living example of so many things gone wrong. But he's turned into a positive. He's the new partner for Romagnoli. He's basically Musacchio. That, that that's basically it I mean that that's the tweet is he's basically Musacchio now uh I don't think he has the Caldara ceiling but I'm not even sure if Caldara has the Caldara ceiling because he's injured perpetually um and the last name on the list was Krunich and he's depth that we needed and he had a good game and so um you know, those are Maldini's signings so far. So thank you to Long Dong Lee for <laughs> pointing that out. You really wanted to say that again. Yeah, just one more time. Also, Paketa and Piontek. I'm not giving up on Paketa. I'm not. I haven't given up on Paketa either. He's frustrating at times, but I also think whatever it is, he has it. Um, last thing uh, before we wrap. More and more reports are coming out 
from Italy and other sources, um, be it Sky, be it, you know, Vito Angeli, uh, Fabrizio Romano, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Sky. Um, looks like Suso's on the way out. Uh, Suso, by all accounts, is going to move to Sevilla. Now, uh, details, TBD. I don't want to get too far into the details right now uh, just because I, I don't want to end up getting it wrong when it's not confirmed yet. But Suso potentially all but confirmed, it looks like, to leave AC Milan to go to Sevilla. Um, it's a guy who I frankly kind of wanted to hang on to. Uh, I understand the potential for profit there, considering we spent next to nothing for him, and he has turned into a player for us, and he's, I mean, the advantage is no more Suso ball, because he he backpacked this team for literal years, and I think the team ended up developing into oh, we can just give it to Suso and question mark, question mark, question mark, and profit, hopefully. Um, sad to see him go, frankly. I liked him. Um, I think we probably could have kept him, but I also understand the probable need to sell him, especially given that we are clicking now. Um, the strange thing, that I guess the strange feeling is, this means Castillejo is the guy. It's basically choosing Castillejo over Suso. And I know that Suso is the easier to sell. But you have to consider, we're going to see a lot more Castillejo now. Uh, whether you like it or not. And I think Suso has left us several memories uh, in red and black. And I wish him the best. And I hope he can help Sevilla get into the Champions League. Well said. I'm everything you just said there. Um, well, honestly, if this is the system, then I prefer Castillejo, to be honest. I think he's a little more versatile in it, um, as much as we've talked about his lack of versatility at times. But he can still be more serviceable in this than Suso. And, you know, this the system now eliminates... I feel it's more direct. You have, you have some runs from the left back position or you try to maybe stretch to someone out in the midfield and but with Suso it was always just get the ball out to him you know the amount of times we've said get the ball to Tucker on this podcast I I enjoy it because hey Arnold is one of the best shows ever but it was that's just how it felt all the time with Suso and it's it feels like they're evolving to a point where it's no longer we need to get him the ball if we want anything at all to happen. We now have guys who are willing to take defenders on, who are going to open up gaps in the in the attacking third that allow other guys to run in and get on the end of crosses. And that's just something that we haven't seen with him as much. And he, like you said, he's done fantastic things for this club. And, you know, he's probably one of the most important players of the past decade for us. Um, but I feel like this there was a time to... There was an opportunity to sell him. 
or it will become a full sale at some point from the details that we've seen we won't get into it um good opportunity to make some money back good opportunity to get those wages off the books sometimes you just got to do that and you know we thank suso he was outstanding there were times where he was the most unbelievable enigma but it's football there are times when he would just wow us and there are times when he would just frustrate the heck out of us because while suso had moments of absolute just incredible skill pizzazz the whole the whole deal right again that it factor he brought he brought that but there were also times when you know if you really looked he he had like two moves and you know when you're playing like i'm gonna use smash bros and as as an example here and someone only does like two moves and it works for a period of time and then you figure it out and it stops working i think that's what started to happen for some teams because i think he was just good enough where against some teams it didn't matter like he could boss a lot of games but then against other more skilled opponents better teams better defenders better tactics and setups he would get frustrated because he wouldn't be able to do the cut in on the right foot, go forward, take a shot. You know, he wouldn't be able to do the like two or three things that he would consistently do. And then it would become a 30 yard shooting contest with one participant. And so sometimes he became infinitely frustrating. Other times, I mean, he could boss a game. He put the team on his back for years, literal years. At one point, he literally got a back injury. Like, that's not that I think that actually happened, that he got a legitimate back strain or injury or something. And everyone was like, you know, th- this is this is weird considering he's had the team on his back for so long. But... Obviously, we thank Suso for his service. Um, always liked him. Wish him the best. No hard feelings. Um, kind of wish we didn't have to see you go. Understand it's a business. Um, will go down as um, another, I mean, soldier for Milan in a tough time. A, a bright spot in a dark time uh, is really what Suso and I, I mean, the last thing on Suso is he is a classic nothing to something story because he was just discarded by Liverpool and he came here and here he is. And he has turned into a player that when Liverpool wasn't doing so well, they were like, oh my God, you're serious? We let this guy go for like a million or like free? Like, one of my friends was like, wow, if only we could have Suso back now. Now, that was pre-Mane and pre-Sala and pre-Firmino. But still, he was like, yo, Suso was nothing. He was literally nothing. So he is a classic success story. 
So good for him uh, for doing his thing, having the Mamba mentality, as you might say, and really turning his career into something, making it to the Spanish national team. I hope he makes his way back there. I hope Sevilla works out for him. Hope he gets into the Champions League. And hopefully we don't have to play him when we inevitably, <laughs> fingers crossed, <laughs> positivity podcast, get True. back to the Champions League. So on that note, thank you very much for listening to The Devil Wears Ross Nero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Soul. He's Tim Fontenot at Soul underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot and at SBN Rossonero is where you can tweet us as always. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, Tim. Really appreciate it as always. And we will speak soon. All right. Sounds good, man. See you next week. And thank you again for listening to the devil wears Rossonero. Remember, if you have not subscribed yet, please subscribe and hit that download button, please. That would be super fantastic awesome thank you again for listening and one last time rest in peace to kobe bryant and gianna bryant and all the victims of the helicopter crash we wish your families all the loved ones everyone friends influences everyone we wish you all the best and to all of you out there give your loved ones a hug because we don't have a lot of time Make the most of what we have every single day. Be intentional with your time. Make it count. You don't know what comes next. Thank you a lot for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening. And guess what? You've made it all the way to the end of the podcast. That means that there are a few more ads headed your way in just a couple of seconds, but I'll give you a quick countdown so you have time to find something else to listen to, even if that happens to be another Devil Wears Rossonero episode, wink, wink. So thanks again from me and Tim for listening, and uh, the ads are on their way in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.